You are listening to the Staffing Tech Podcast Series. In this series, staffing executives offer valuable insights for leaders across the industry to learn from. The ultimate goal of the podcast is to elevate the discussion of staffing technology, provide actionable insights to decision makers, help listeners learn from the experience, successes, and sometimes failures of leaders who have innovated and are moving the space forward and enhance the future state of the staffing industry. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy the podcast. In this episode of the Staffing Tech Talk podcast series, Brian Deladone asks Allegiance Group's president, Andy Hilger, his approach to keeping up with the pace of change and his approach to dealing with the hype cycle. The episode concludes with a discussion of how to apply technology in periods of disruption. There's no doubt that the pace of change has been really accelerating. And maybe it did start in 2016. I'm not precisely sure when, but certainly the, the sense that things are moving faster now is, is, is emerging as, as one of the things you have to live with. And so what, what are your thoughts on, on the, just the pace of this change? How do you keep up? Boy, it's, it's a really challenging que- question and, and reality that we face. This started for me in 1997. I think in 1997, when I started, there were job boards coming online. There was Career Builder and Monster and Headhunter.net, and they were going to completely radically disintermediate staffing. And, and then there were, at, at almost the same time, but probably a little bit later, MSP and VMS players. And so I think the change and the, and the technology being a potential disruptor to our industry has been pretty um, consistent. But to your point, the pace has only cranked up. And you know, I always tell people, it'll never be as slow as it is today. It's, it's only going to get faster. It's interesting, though, when I think about those 24 years that I've watched this industry evolve and, and the role that technology has played, there, there's some good, there's some bad, and there's some ugly, that, that, the way I look at it. And, and I do think there are maybe a different set of opportunities with the cloud, with data, with AI that are going to allow us to do some fundamentally different things moving forward. And for me, the good, we have figured out how to leverage certain technologies. We've made really key investments, certainly as a company, but likely as an industry, whether it's in ERP systems, whether it's in applicant tracking or CRM systems that have allowed us to scale the business in ways that I don't think we could have without technology. And, and yeah, that's been great. I'm grateful for the investments that we've made for my time here. And, and we've always, while I said we, we perhaps at times looked at technology as a utility, we've always known we had to make certain investments to scale the business. And, and they've paid off really handsomely. In some ways, though, and this is the not so good, the way recruiters recruit today hasn't changed that much in the 20-something years I've been here. Uh, the process that they follow, the attempts to contact people still feel a lot like they felt in, in 1997. And so yeah, that's, that's, that's not so good, but I think there's a lot of opportunity there. On the, on the perhaps, if you want to take the good, the bad, and the ugly, on the ugly side, there are times where I think our fascination and our over-reliance on automation has perhaps set us back a little bit. We can probably get into this more later, but as we've used more and more machines to start to parse out job descriptions and parse out resumes and understand how do we 
screen applicants and determine who gets to have a conversation with a hiring manager. You know, we've clearly started to rely on lots of buzzwords, lots of lots of ways that you can potentially game a system. And, and you know, and there's a lot of good that's probably come from that. You can fairly quickly identify you know, potential needles in a haystack, but you know, maybe I'll reflect on my career journey that I shared with you. I don't know that there was anything on my resume that would have recommended that I work at Aerotech, which, which became Allegis Group, or that I would have gotten probably any of the opportunities that I have, have, have been fortunate enough to have. And I think you know, anyone who's in the, in the business of hiring human beings knows that, that people are much more than a resume. And really what you want to hire for is that drive, that aptitude, that curiosity, that coachability, that, that person who wants to build and be part of something. And you know, that doesn't mean they don't have to have certain skills, but if we are leveraging technology at the expense of understanding skills, goals, and interests, then I think we've, we've, we've probably done some people a disservice. And we wake up now in 2021 with a dearth of qualified candidates. And I think we're, we're struggling you know, as a society to understand where are they. And perhaps they're there, but they're not showing up in our searches because they're, the, the people on the resume don't represent the job description in the way our technology has been configured and designed. So all that said, the pace of change is only accelerating. It will never be as slow as it is today. And I think there's, there's some risk, but there's great, great promise for what can happen as we think about how we leverage technology to create an amazing experience for, for clients and for talent into the future. That's really well said. Thank you for creating that, that clarity that draws that distinction between the, the good, the bad, and the ugly. So some, some of that ugly is, is um, causing some disruption. People are, are looking at these technologies sometimes as a panacea that might solve all the challenges of the recruitment process or the candidate engagement process. So there's been a typical hype cycle that's associated with new technologies coming into a market in any field. How can you effectively filter that noise so that you can focus on the tools that make the most sense that will really make the best impact on the business? Yeah, it's, it's a hard, hard question to answer, uh, especially today. It's always been a hard question to answer, but there isn't a day that goes by right now without getting some, some solicitation for something that's going to radically change or disrupt our industry. There isn't a day that goes by where there isn't some company that's gotten a new funding round that's going to going to change the world and so we've got to keep an eye on all that and and it's not easy to do and it it's to compound the problem we have lots of curious people who I would encourage every day to be out there understanding what's happening in the market but I've never seen a bad demo <laughs> they're, they're all pretty amazing so I think for us we're really working hard to start with what is the problem or what are the sets of problems we need to solve. If, if we start with, I found this cool technology, we can fall in love pretty quickly with, with some shiny toys. But uh, if we start with, hey, there is a potential problem, an inefficiency, an opportunity, a point of friction 
that we need to solve for to delight our candidates or our, our customers, then I think we, we have a fighting chance to really identify what are the best out there. The other thing that I, I mentioned there is we really try to crowdsource this in a lot of ways. And, and the, the cool thing about collaboration tools and, and the, the different things that probably have accelerated in the last couple of years during the, the pandemic is there are better and better ways to, to share information that sort of cut across the hierarchy and, and establish these networks. So we've been really intentional about leveraging tools to uh, allow people to share what they're learning, allow people to share articles, allow people to ask questions. Hey, has anyone seen a chat bot that has solved this problem? What has been your experience? And yeah, you know, I think I think for me, it certainly raised my level of of comfort and confidence, and probably my my consciousness about what's going on in the space. But hopefully, it's it's empowering and raising the collective consciousness across Allegis Group. And then, you know, finally, and it it probably goes without saying, we have to leverage experts that are that are in the space, and and it's one of the reasons that I love what Talent Tech Labs does. Because we have lots of people who are sort of citizen analysts who are out there finding or or exploring or asking questions about technology. You have the experts that can say, hey, we've actually kicked the tires on that. Here's where I think that can really help you. If this is your problem, you know, this is something you ought to consider. And, and so you know, I've got the the ecosystem in my office. We we talk about it a lot. And and you know it's it's not just TTL, it's it's Gartner, it's ASA, it's it's SIA. There's some great resources, but I think the the fact that you wake up every day and focus on talent technology is is a tremendous asset to us and something that that we probably can't use enough, Brian. Well thanks for saying that. But I love the idea that you, you too, like we, focus on the challenge that needs to be solved and not tech for the sake of it. So I think that's, that's got to be the genesis of, of how you think about these things. For technology for technology's sake is, is not going to be a very fruitful pursuit if it's applied to solving a real world challenge. I think that's where the rubber hits the road. That's, that's a great, great frame of reference. Yeah, I, I have learned pretty quickly that uh, innovation is, is got to be viewed from the outside in. It's got to be done close to customers. And you know, I, I don't know that I'm always successful, but as I meet with our teams across the business, one of my messages is always innovation is not happening in Baltimore, where, where we're headquartered. This isn't where all good ideas emanate from. They really are coming from People who are out there being incredibly entrepreneurial, understanding where perhaps we could do something different or try something different. And then it's our job to figure out how do we gather that insight, uh, really understand which of those ideas we can experiment with. And that's, that's where we really start all innovation. So we've made mention a couple of times of the introduction of artificial intelligence into the recruitment process and into... Um, the way people are are assessed for their fit. What do you think the traditional staffing models will evolve into when artificial intelligence is more effectively applied? And it's assuming it can be effectively applied. Yeah, there's a there's a lot to that. So so if we back up, I think 
there's there's probably a a notion out there that artificial intelligence means C3PO is going to come and and take take over the, the experience and that's not how I see AI in the near term or even in the long term. I think we're a long way away from artificial general intelligence from from having a direct impact and and we're in a high variability type business that that does rely on trust. So the, you know, you can hear that and say, oh, he doesn't think AI is going to have an impact. You know, quite the opposite. The way I think about AI is that it is it is really about cheap prediction. So if you if you think about prior industrial revolutions, they were about cheap power. They were about cheap communication and access to information when you get to the internet. Now this is about cheap prediction and, and AI is really leveraging ideas and and approaches that are 30 and 40 and even 50 years old when you think about neural networks and and how underlying machine learning works but at the time there wasn't the access to the data or the compute power there, that there is today so you know when i think about ai in our business and in our industry i think about how many times a day is somebody making a judgment and ultimately making a decision and what is informing that judgment and that decision and are there opportunities to bring to bear a prediction that that may not be exactly right but it's going to be directionally right and over time it's going to get better and better and it's going to allow humans to make better decisions as we move forward so you know, that could could start with ensuring we're helping our recruiters focus on the best candidates and and there's underlying ai that that can do that but it it can certainly expand to start to inform you know decisions that that we're making about which customers might have the the screaming need for talent that we're finding or might be evolving the way that they're looking to evolve the way they're getting work done and may need a different service that we can provide and how can we leverage all of the data and the insights that we have to make predictions that just make our people better, faster, stronger, and ultimately make our customers that much better at what they do. So I, there's a there's a lot there, Brian, and and you could apply that cheap prediction to a hundred things across our value streams. But but at at the highest level, you know, we've got to figure out where are the best examples to really provide that cheap prediction and allow somebody to make a, a more informed decision moving forward. And how do we then leverage those models and train them to get better and better with the more data that we have? That's a great way to look at it. Implicit in what you're saying is that artificial intelligence at scale can actually have some detrimental effects, right? If you're trying to promote diversity, it can it can be seen sometimes as exclusionary based on the way the algorithms are, are designed and asked to predict. What are your views on the ethical questions that we as an industry should be thinking about when considering the use of machine learning and artificial intelligence? I don't know if it's necessarily the way the algorithms are designed, although although there could be an element of that, and I'll probably be out of my depths here, but I, I do think there is a massive risk that training models on decision-based data that has inherent 
conscious or unconscious bias in it is going to potentially anchor those algorithms with those same biases, which I think is is what you're saying. And I think uh, we've seen that in industry with some pretty sophisticated AI players out there as they've released different bots and different AI into the world, some some pretty negative things or negative externalities have happened. And and AI, while while the implication is it's really smart, it's not really smart. It's about optimizing one objective function. And at times it will do that at the exclusion of lots of other things that we find really important. And in, in this case, we've got to be really clear about when and where AI can and should be applied, how we can understand if and when there is potentially bias creeping in and being cemented into that AI, and how we can make that as transparent as possible at every level. And you know, I think whether whether you're watching The Social Dilemma or reading recent news about uh, the way some of these social media companies are leveraging AI um, to, to create echo chambers and potentially have some harmful, harmful effects. I think there are so many lessons there about how we need to be out in front of that and how we need to be thinking, not just with a technical or a business optimization lens, but with an ethical and with a legal lens as we start to design these AI solutions and bring them to bear. And I think, Brian, there's a, a risk right now that that it can be a little bit of the Wild West. Anyone can proclaim that their technology is AI. And, and so there's got to be some work that we all do to define some standards and to make sure that there's an ethical code that allows us to improve the situation, not make it worse. And, and you know, the reality is there is already plenty of unconscious bias that finds its way into hiring decisions. There is promise that AI could allow us to eliminate and mitigate that, but we have to be really intentional about how we do that. That's exactly right. Thank you for listening to the second episode of the Staffing Tech Talk series. Stay tuned for the next episode, How the Staffing Industry Can Evolve Through the Use of Technology.